everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast on this glorious winter day in the middle of spring in May Last in Washington. Last week, it was like 100 degrees. I don't Do you know. Remember? Whatever. Who knows? We got a whatever. It's going to be hot in the studio. We got a great show. Our buddy Mikey Freeman is back. He's chef and co-owner at uh, Red Hen and All Purpose Shaw and the, the new future All Purpose coming All-Purpose. up, the future All Purpose. And he's brought in his his sidekick, really, uh, uh, chef, or, de cuisine, or Crystal, the chef de cuisine, Crystal, Crystal Cripe, who is really, uh, you know, the, the the genius in the kitchen now at Red Hen a lot. Yeah, yes. running that show. Very true. And we're going to hear all about that new seasonal dishes, what it's like to work with Mikey. <laughs> And I've worked with Mikey, <laughs> and uh, and all of that. And Daisuke Udagawa is here. He's the co-owner at uh, Kobo. Am I saying that right? Yep. I'm saying everything he hit it, right huh? today. That's why I didn't do it because I would have butchered Co- that. Like, Kobo opened a, a little more than a year ago, but it's a new restaurant within a restaurant at the award-winning Sushi Co. Uh, over in Friendship Heights, the greatest sushi restaurant in the world, no question about mm-hmm. that. And they're doing some new things over with a tw- uh, over there with a 12 to 15 course vegan and non-vegan capo style tasting. And I don't even know what capo style yeah, is, so we're going to find what that out. Is? <laughs> okay, I know what a capo is in German, but that's not what this is. So, <laughs> no. all right. And? Okay. And there is a Glenn Livet dinner coming up at Bobby Vans. And if you don't know about it, you're going to hear all about it today in studio. We have. Is Don- Glenn here? No, he's not. Okay, that's just silly. Uh, we have in studio with us today Jonathan Langle, who is with Bobby Vans, and Mike Goss, who is a spirit educator, and he brought in all this fabulous Glenn Levitt. And we are going to taste them on air. And we have Chef uh, Jun Chen, who's in with us too. He brought in some delicious food from Bobby Vans. So we're going to be tasting and drinking and having a good time a little bit later in the show. And. The best part of the show is that it is rosé all day in the studio. Can we get a round of applause for the rosé? We love it. Yay. So in studio with us today is Kate Christman. Did I say that right? You did. Okay, good. So Kate is in with us. That's the easy one. I know, but you know, sometimes the easy ones trip you up. You never (laughs) never know. know. That's very true. Thanks, Kate. So uh, Kate has brought in a beautiful selection of rosés that she is pouring at the new rosé garden at Vinoteca. So um, are we going to start off with Kate or are we going to Mitch No, first? we're going to go to Mitch real All quick. All right, we will be right back to you. Uh, so uh, I've been mentioning uh, Central Farm Markets uh, to you guys uh, the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and they've come on again as a sponsor. Mike, uh, Mike, Mitch, Mitch, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Right. Hi, Mitch. This is one of my favorite people in the entire world. This guy was born oh, my God. With, a, with, a, with a 12- Thousand horsepower motor in him. So, Mitch, tell us what's going on at Central Farm Markets today. Well, first of all, um, thank you for those nice words. Uh, the checks in the mail. Okay, oh, good. Really, uh, send another one too. Okay, um, okay. It may not be uh, clear to bank, but I'll do it anyway. Regardless, I want to thank you both so much. I want to say that Central Farm Market is very proud to sponsor the show and be uh, the start of the show for the next six months or mm-hmm. whatever. And we're pleased as punch to tell all the foodie and beast fans and all the foodies and people interested in what they put in their body about all the terrific things at the three central farm markets here in the metropolitan area. Uh, for those that don't know, 
The three markets are in Bethesda, Rockville, and the Mosaic District in Fairfax, and we're open uh, all year round, and you can get all your shopping needs there. Most importantly, you can get more precise information by going to our website, centralfarmmarkets.com, and you can sign up for the weekly e-blast and find out everything about it. And well, you tell us what's going on at the markets today. Like, what can people today, get in there absolutely, today? Absolutely, absolutely. Every day, every day, you can get tremendous amount of uh, meats, poultry, every kind of dairy, eggs, sustainable fish, regi- regional cheeses, numerous bakeries, fermented products, local wineries, breweries, distilleries, flowers, prepared food to consume on the premise or take home. And right now, today, we have six varieties of strawberries. They're coming from all the way from the northern neck all the way up into Pennsylvania. We have the first snap peas of the season. We have fresh morels. We have the first baby fennel, baby squash, baby zucchini. That sounds good. That sounds so good. (laughs) Soft shells of the season. First and all kinds of crab, lump crab, jumbo lump crab. And um, it's just, and we are packed in here, and we have, we're dog-friendly, unlike a lot of other markets, and we've got kids' activities and live music every week. Well, you know, uh, I mean, the markets are huge. Honestly, I, I, every time we go there, my comment is the only thing you can't find there is toilet paper and dog food. I mean, it's, right. it's really unbelievable. <laughs> well, um, I hate to correct you because you guys have been so nice to us. We do not have toilet paper. But we actually have local people that make different dog snacks. Now, oh, do you now really? I can get dog food at Central Farm Markets. Wow. Yes, all locally made. We have several people, um, several of our farmers actually make dog food now. And um, that makes so much sense. I, I never, I tell you the truth, I never thought that that would sell. I kind of snickered, but I figured it would give them a shot. They're they're killing them. All right. So now listen. Unfortunately, we've got to wrap. Just tell everybody again where the markets are and what the hours are for the markets, real quick. Thank you. Our markets are on Saturday and Sunday, the best way, so you don't forget it. We're in Bethesda, North Bethesda, Mosaic District. You can get all that exact information by going to centralfarmmarkets.com. All right. Love Thanks, and kisses. Man. We'll talk thank to you him. next week. All right. We thank you again. All right, buddy. Take care. Oops. All right, so let's go over to Kate. Let's start drinking. <laughs> let's so, hey, Kate. So Hi. give us a quick overview of Vinoteca. You guys opened like you opened like 10 years ago, right? Yeah, 10 years. This November will be our 10th anniversary. I remember when you guys yeah, opened. Yeah, and we are at 11th and U, mm-hmm. kind of one of the, I think, pioneers of that portion of U Street. Without um, a doubt. Absolutely. So we just have a lot of fun, and we are starting, well, we did start this past Monday, our Rosé All May promotion. Mm-hmm. We're having a great time with it, and it seems to be going over really well. Everyone really seems to be enjoying it. Well, let's sort of talk about Rosé in general, because the last 10, year ha- 10 years really has had this whole resurgence on Rosé. Oh, you my know, gosh, like totally. Ten years ago, if you poured some pink wine, it was White Zinfandel. And now, you know, there's all these fabulous Rosés that Americans are drinking. I mean, a lot of Europeans were drinking it for years and years and years without any sort of like sweetness oh, sure, the, to them. The sort of you know style exactly. Southern France. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you brought in a whole variety today. A so bunch tell of us, things. Tell us what, what we got going on here. Okay, so we're going to start with, actually, it's a sparkling rosé of Malbec mm-hmm. from uh, Mendoza from the Uco Valley region. It is an extra brute style. Okay. So a lot of people see pink bubbles and they automatically sort of think 
sweet. Right. This is nice, dry, really refreshing. It's mm-hmm. a great, I'm not going to lie, it's a great daytime rosé, great okay. lunch rosé. Mm-hmm. Um, super delicious. Well, because really you guys have that gorgeous patio Oh, out back, the Plaza Bar. Right? Yeah. And isn't there, is there a bocce court there? There's a bocce court. Yes. Absolutely. It's a full service outdoor bar. Yeah. yeah. It's super, super fun. It's like, it's like the place to go day drinking. It right? kind of is. Yes. You know, it's for the people just, that don't actually have to work for a living. <laughs> well, right. on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, some well, people go have day different drinking. hours than right. others. You yeah. know, sometimes right. you have an afternoon off and exactly. you just want a glass of wine. <laughs> All right, so we're going to let you pour that. Cool. Is that what you're doing here? when I call you and you, you don't pick up the phone? You're day drinking? I'm day it? drinking. God yes, bless. I have a problem. I'm admitting it now. All right. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> okay, there we go. My party girl. All right, we'll be back with Kate in just a couple minutes. All right, so let's talk to Mikey and Crystal. Kind of. Mike, give us the overview. You've got All Purpose and Shaw. You've got Red Hand. You've got more coming out of the ground. Give us kind of the four. One, Catch us up. One. Catch sure, us up. sure. So we have uh, our, our first restaurant was Red Hand, mm-hmm. still my baby. Uh, opened up in Bloomingdale, kind of at that verge of Bloomingdale exploding onto the scene. Mm-hmm. So we were very lucky to get in front of that. And after about a year and a half, we we had always had offers coming to us, but finally we... Uh, settled on an offer in Shaw, which we knew was going to be kind of the next scene. Mm-hmm. And we opened up All Purpose, and kind of it's a love letter to my youth. All so right, I can I up. jump in? All of Purpose course. was named DC's number one restaurant for 2016 by The Post. That ain't bad. And and you're a, uh, you were recognized uh, recently as a James Beard Award semifinalist for the Mid-Atlantic. Am I right? Yeah. That is not bad. That, that's not bad. That's not that's bad. Not, my mom says it's not bad. So <laughs> I think that that's that means it's okay. Um, but kind of piggybacking on that idea, even when those awards and accolades come, um, I always like to say that cooking is a team sport. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't do it without the people that are around me, and that's why, that's why Crystal's here. Uh, Crystal and I met at culinary school back in – the mid 2000s, and um, I like to say she was like nine or ten when I met her, but she was. She looks really, like she's really eleven. Young. Yeah. She yeah. looks really, really she was, young. Uh, she Is was this legal. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Awkward. Um, she was no, she was eighteen or nineteen, and uh, we'd kept in touch. She's from Indiana. She went to uh, back to Indiana to be with her family for a while, and then when we were ready to open up Red Hen, I kind of asked her to come down and check it out. Now, were you cooking in Indiana? I was. Okay, yeah. and where were you? What were um, you doing? I worked in the country club. Um, okay. Kind of started from the bottom, worked my way up to Chef de Cuisine there. Mm-hmm. Um, so totally different experience, obviously. Midwest right. uh, cooking in a country club. But, but uh, I read you're also, parties. I mean, and a lot of chefs are, but you also are a, a top-notch pastry chef, too. You run the pastry program at Red Hen, am I right? Um, I do. Um, right now, so when we first opened the Red Hen, um, I was definitely doing all of the pastry work. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we... Oh, wait. Um, let's say cheers. Can we do yeah, a cheers? Yeah, Rosé. Come on, everybody. Cheers. cheers. To Crystal cheers. and Mike and everybody. Vino Teca. <laughs> cheers. He's such a ham. Um, or a prosciutto, so, as it were. Now we do oh, very um, good. have a pastry chef um, mm-hmm. working for us. Um, and then, you know... And she's great. The, yes. And, um, oh, we know, would hope she is working together. <laughs> and she um, sucks. Sorry. I'm throwing Crystal off her game. Seven words. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. But, um, so she, um, takes care of our pastry work during the day. Um, and the two of our heads combined, um, you know, we put together dishes that are right for the red hen. Now, so exactly. how do you guys work together? Cause I don't think a lot of people understand, you know, how it what the hierarchy is in the kitchen and sure. how that works. You know, you have a executive chef sure. and then a chef de cuisine. And for the layperson, they're like, well, Mikey Freeman is the chef. He's right. not here today. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Right. So how let's explain this process and how it works. Sure. Well, I mean, I cannot be at 
multiple restaurants at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yet. Yet. Right. We're working Until on I it. Until I clone myself. Flash right. Friedman. Yeah. Right. Um, but the way that the hierarchy works is that uh, the people that we trust in our inner circles uh, mm-hmm. become the, the leaders in those restaurants on a day-to-day level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that great restaurants have an executive chef that runs more of the administrative work of the restaurant, mm-hmm. more of the kind of nuts and bolts, the food costs, the labor costs, uh, making sure quality and consistency are in control. The boring but necessary part. The boring but necessary parts. I think uh, what I like to say is that the restaurant business is just that. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be able to have good people around you that understand that. Uh, if you don't, then those businesses fail. And I think that we see that quite a bit in uh, in the industry in general. I think you hear the numbers of you know one in four restaurants fail within their first year. And that's just because of plain old um, inability to be ready for any situation. Right. Um, if you have people like Crystal uh, by your side, you're able to open up more restaurants, and that's what we did. But, mm-hmm. you know, people are kind of like, they don't know where I am. I actually split my time fairly evenly between both restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Crystal runs day-to-day operations at the Red Hen, making sure that that restaurant stays. She didn't stays crack a smile. You're very <laughs> successful. <laughs> she, yeah, Crystal's no joke. She didn't mess around. Well, but so, all right, we have to take a break. But when we come back, I'd love to talk about sort of the menu at Red Hen and how you guys work on it together and how you sort of take his vision but add your own to it because it's it's not fun to execute just somebody else's vision. Like, no, that, like it has to be the, a collaboration. Right. So let's go. talk about that. All right. This cool. is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're having Rosé all May in studio with Vina Teca and everybody else. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, very quickly, I want everybody to remember that it is Lobster Month at the market at River Falls in Potomac. Uh, they... I want the Rock Lobster song. We need a little B-52. No, 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 I can't right. do it. But okay, <laughs> so let's get back to Mikey and Crystal. Um, you know, before we went to the break, we are talking about how you guys kind of interact and run things. So, I, I mean... The Crystal, collaboration of the menu. Well, but the, sure. yeah, do you get, I mean, do you like to and do you get to kind of experiment and then say, hey, Mike, look what I came up with. You want to take a taste and can we try this? Yes, definitely. Um, Mike is always leaving, you know, the opportunities open. Um, I think a lot of, you know, the vision comes from um, Mikey himself and his travels and experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And then a lot of the menu is like us. having a baby, those kinds of experiences. <laughs> exactly. Everything's pureed right yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah, so then, you know, the menu is formed by us kind of sitting down, thinking about what's in season, um, and kind of going from there. Mm-hmm. But you also, I think part, and you guys can talk about this, but is it hard because there are dishes on that menu, I mean, as a neighborhood restaurant, that your regulars just love? You know, there are dishes that people are like, no, 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 I need that I'm dish. Not. Okay, so How do you a, handle that? It's a great question, and, it, and it's something I full that of I, great think questions. It's, I think it's... <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> that one was a good I one. think it's something that... Um, a lot of people that kind of look into the restaurant industry think that you have to constantly be progressive, right? You mm-hmm. have to constantly push against the norm. Um, and I and I believe in that. I believe in growing and changing and evolving. And I think that the Red Hen has had a pretty successful job in doing that, mm-hmm. um, especially in the sense that, you know, uh, you know we're, we're busier than ever. Um, we seem to get really good feedback. We're getting new people. We're getting repeat customers, obviously. Um, but um, you can't change everything. And what I like to say about the Red Hen is that we are kind of the warm blanket mm-hmm. of the restaurant industry for, for D.C. in the sense that I like to keep about 40% of the menu the way that it is, mm-hmm. um, not only because they're beloved, um, but because but we love them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well so it's also, I mean, it is, it's, um, it's 
pardon me for interrupting, but it's for, for the consumer. See, that's what he does. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> no, we were like eating it. there way before, you know, we, from the start. There's a certain kind of, you know, like a whoopee effect. I mean, if, sure. the, if, the, if the squid oil pasta is not there... I'm going to come in the kitchen and find you. Do you right. understand? No, that? no, or, or the rigatoni or the ricotta crostini. Yeah. And even, I mean, even I was I was talking to uh, Daisuke earlier about how much I love sushi ko, and if they took off, let's say the aga tofu or the seaweed salad um, or the edamame, I would be angry. Right. I, I He's over like, there taking this, notes. Why is <laughs> like, this right. changing? Bring back right. seaweed um, salad. Those are the things I go for. But then I also look for what's new. What's new? And and so that's why we change 60% of the menu, not only because uh, we feel that we have to to continue to be creative and continue to push ourselves, mm-hmm. but because we're a seasonal restaurant. We like to do grandma cooking. Um, so we like to change with those seasons. And we're not going to have Brussels sprouts in spring. All right, yeah. Crystal, what on the menu is yours? What did you come up with? Um, you know, as far as mine personally, um, I think the as far as signature dishes for me, um, mm-hmm. nothing necessarily that's on the menu currently. Um, I think they're all collaborative. They really, right. really are. Yep. And is there anything now that you're making that you're like, okay, so as we talk about like some of the old standbys, what's some of the newer dishes that people should be looking at, especially with all the spring products coming well, out? I mean, that menu is full spring right now. Right. Full on. Full La on. Fall de Verde, which is a beautiful pasta with spring lamb bolognese. Mm, yeah. We have a uh, calamarata pasta, which looks like little squid rings, uh, but it's a, it's pasta made with a charred octopus puttanesca, mm. uh, which is like a sauce. It's like an osteria. That's what Very it always so, and it should be, but it but it is that neighborhood joint. Yeah. And, and is, that's what's really Is important. it hard to milk a squid? I mean, do they move around a lot when you're getting that oil? <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, you made her laugh. That's right. All right, Crystal, uh, and I got you. Oh, and we're done here. <laughs> do they kick over the pail? That's what I no, want to know. But, you know, I think the basic, the, the really important thing is that um, whether it's all-purpose or Red Hen and, and Crystal's here. Uh, all-purpose Shaw. All-purpose Shaw, That's right. exactly. Um, it, it has to be a collaborative experience. Um, I never let... I never halt anybody's creative growth. I think that's one of the biggest things, and that's why people stay. You know, we have cooks that have been there since day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal's obviously been there since before day one, uh, and everybody all-purpose has the opportunity to have a creative voice. And in I don't want to be too much of a mommy here, oh, but I I, we that. have to. Um, <laughs> we can't. We have to give go. a shout out a little bit to the beverage program. Yeah, Just to your assistant general out. manager. Oh, I mean Sam Nellis. What a great job he's doing. <laughs> he's got our last that's name. So that's so crazy. Yeah. So oh, weird. Crazy. No, you know, and, and bringing in people like that that have been around the industry for a little while, like Sam, and giving him the opportunity to say, hey, Sam, this cocktail program, have fun with it. Right. See what you like. See what you don't like. You know, uh, uh, well, his entire and, college and career was spent preparing for this moment. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, but we're not pouring vodka rush. rush. No. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. Please. So Red Hen in Bloomingdale, 1822 First Street. Uh, All Purpose in Shaw, 9th Street, and Ann across from the Convention Center. And at the end of the summer, we will be um, at the waterfront across from National Stadium, uh, All Purpose, um, more of a fun pizzeria. Pizzeria. Really, really good time over there. Can't wait. Can't wait to be a, a, a huge Nats fan. Um, learning more and more every day. Okay, great. Thank you both so much for coming in. Thank you guys so much. All right, Kate, back to you. That was a delicious Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, really. I mean, well, obviously, Mikey liked it the best because he finished it first. Can can I ask about, I want to know more about the Rosé, was it Rosé Oive? No, it's Rosé Alme (laughs) promotion. Either way. He just wanted to say that. (laughs) Don't even fall for that. I've been holding that in for days. Yes. Um, uh, What goes on with the promotion? What happens there? So what we're doing is... I'm a little bit of a crazy person. I consider myself a rosé evangelist. I want to get everyone on the rosé train and find them what they like. I just like. saw you at a tent meeting. It yeah, was awesome. I, that was me. Yep. Um, so I people thought I was a little crazy last summer. I poured 
12 rosés by the glass. Mm-hmm. This year I've actually bumped it up. Okay, I've gone beyond that. This year we currently have 16. I've got more coming down the pipeline. Uh, all told, we have about 20 to 22 different rosé options at any given time. Okay. Um, but and- now how, so, but where are your rosés from? Because I think a lot of people think that the best rosé is from Provence, but you have them from all over the place. Oh, I have New Zealand. I have Spain. I mm-hmm. have... Uh, California, we do actually a rosé cider from Long Island, from the Wolfer Estate. Huh. Um, we've got rosé sangria, rosé cocktails, rosé... Uh, actually, our sister restaurant, The Royal, mm-hmm. um, made a house uh, rosé vermouth. They called it Rosita. Okay. And we're actually pouring that. Interesting. Um, so we're just... We're going all out. We're going nuts. We're crazy. And But do, do people ask a lot of questions about rosé? Because we were so offering so many different bottles... Are people like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do. Well, do you still find people that think rosé is just leftover white and red poured together? <laughs> Absolutely. Still? Seriously? Yeah. Wait a minute, because you, you, last time I said that, you said that's stupid. It's it not stupid, because I think a lot of people don't know. They don't know how rosé is actually right. made. Okay, and, well, um, when we come back to you, let's find out. Do we have time? We can have you tell a, us how a minute. Is? Okay, can you tell us in a minute or less how rosé is made? Oh, my gracious. Okay, so... Um, most grapes, even if they have red skins, you press them, the juice comes out white. Mm-hmm. By leaving the, that juice in contact with the skins of the red grapes, even for a very small amount of time, the juice starts to leach some of that color out of the skin, and you get a pink wine. Depending on how long you leave that skin contact is how long, sort of how pink the wine is. Um, so that's that's kind of the quick and dirty on the process of rosé making. Okay, great. And what are you going to pour next? So next I have a sustainable wine from the Loire Valley. It's by the Domaine d'Herbage. It's a Groyot Gris, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really unusual grape. I call this my tan rosé because it's so even, barely, barely even pink. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is a rosé, and it's super delish. Can't wait to try it. Okay, great. All right. All right, next. So now we're going to go from rosé to steak and more. Anybody that doesn't know the name Bobby Vans. Mm-hmm. And doesn't associate it with one of the great steakhouses in the world is living <laughs> under a rock. Right. So we've got, and Bobby Vance has, I think, 14 locations around the, you know, in New York and here. Two great ones here. Jonathan Langle is in. He's the managing partner here for Bobby Vance. Um, uh, chef Jun Chen is the executive chef. He's in with us as well. And so is Mike Goss, who's a spirit educator. Bobby Vance is going to be doing some great dinners. Mike is a spirit educator with Glenn Livett and that's one of the upcoming din- dinners. But, Jonathan, let's start with you Yeah, let's get a little 411 on Bobby Vans. Oh, great. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's our pleasure. It is Thank our you. pleasure. <laughs> well, Bobby Vans, as you said, has a great reputation for steak, and we've been around for quite some time. But uh, over the last year, we realized that steakhouses aren't just about steak anymore, and we've taken the opportunity to really increase our menu with great American dishes, and what we wanted to focus on today was some of the wine dinners and the uh, scotch dinner that we've got coming up this week. Nikki's laughing because you just took a sip of the scotch. No, 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 I'm laughing because Mike just uh, sort of showed uh, Mike Friedman, and he was like, do you want some? And he was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. Sorry, please go ahead. I was listening. No, of course. No, please. I'm pretty excited as well. but so, as you guys expanded here in D.C., how many locations are in the D.C. market? So, two. You have two right now. Okay. But one's a grill. One is a grill, and one is our traditional steakhouse. Okay. So, what's the difference between the two? Really, the grill has an expanded 
menu. Okay. So instead of having four or five seafood options, mm-hmm. we have 10 to 12 on the grill menu. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the grill is much bigger and focuses very much on private dining and catering, mm-hmm. um, where we usually do these specialty dinners. Okay. So let's talk about the specialty dinner. Why hook up with Glenn Levitt? Well, Glenn Levitt has a wonderful brand and a great product, but they also have a lot of diversity in their lineup. Mm-hmm. So it gives our chef an opportunity to really focus on high-end American cuisine, smaller portions, more intricate, more detail, to go with the complexity of all the different scotches that Glenn Levitt represents. Well, on that note, Mike, let's bring you to the mic. So, Mike, let's bring you to the mic. That doesn't Mike make sense. Mike. Mike to Mike. So, that was, I was going to say it, but that was beneath me. Okay. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so, Mike, <laughs> how are you, Mike? Uh, tell us a little bit, for those who aren't aware of the product, like, about the history of Glenlivet and the kind of product it is. Well, Glenlivet is the number one selling single malt in the world. Okay. Uh, D.C. is a huge whiskey town. We mm-hmm. have a lot of reason to drink in this town. <laughs> right. Oh, we do. If you ever want to get a politician to be quiet, give him a drink. Okay, yeah. there we go. Good good we advice. Do, we do a I'm lot I'm sending of, two cases to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do a lot of training and a lot of, a lot of whiskey dinners and classes, and we do a lot on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not. And uh, as I said, I've always laughed about the fact that Doing a whiskey class for politicians is my day of teaching ducks to swim. Yeah. <laughs> they take to it pretty well. But Glenn Livett, as I said, number one is the space side. Mm-hmm. When you think about whiskey, whiskey is wood, water, and grain. Mm-hmm. That's the major component. If you can break it down, you can identify what it is. Okay. Uh, this is a space side scotch, by far the most popular region of Scotland mm-hmm. uh, in the style. Light, elegant. Glenn Livett has the, some of the tallest stills. So the whiskeys are the lightest and most floral. Now, as I said, we can't change the water, we can't change the grain, which is malted barley. Mm-hmm. So what Jonathan was referring to, we change the wood. Okay. Right? So we have the one I put in front of everybody. It's mm-hmm. called Founder's Reserve. Okay. So this is a first fill barrel, mm-hmm. light in style. You can almost get the little floral light aromatics on top of it. It Very smells well, let me, so good. Let me jump in. We've we got a minute. We're going to go to commercial and sure. come back to you guys. But I... I personally don't associate drinking distilled beverages with mm-hmm. my dinner because mm-hmm. I, I mostly think of wine or you know or beer. Mm-hmm. So clearly I'm I'm in a minority or I'm certainly in a in a percentage that doesn't. But there's a lot of straight scotch and whiskey and rye and all of that drinking with steak and all of that. Absolutely. And what does that do with the flavor of the like the of the meat? Well, it sets your palate. And in when you go in there with that with those styles and with working with Jonathan and the chef and stuff, we start, we use it in most dinners, like when we did with the Pappy Van Winkle dinner. You go light to dark. Mm-hmm. So you bring it in easier with the light, the soups, the salads, and then you, the longer you rest in wood, the longer the linger the whiskey is on do your Do people palate. end up resting in peace after all that? <laughs> well, we do always, I, I do call myself a lifeguard, and I say let's stay cl- very close to the water. Right. Very good. And the first I love you, man, we shut this damn thing down. Okay. (laughs) This should be an Uber franchise at the restaurant. Okay. All right. Wait. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other Glenlivets that are going to be poured and the kind of uh, food that's going to be served with it at the Bobby Vans dinner. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back with just a sec. Hey, we're back on food. Sorry. We were talking in the studio. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And we're talking to the gang. From Bobby Vance about their um, what, the upcoming Glenlivet dinner, which sounds like it's a, sounds like a blast. Well, so let's we were talking about Glenlivet and the but there's so many different kinds you brought and we have the years. So obviously the years are how long it rests sure. in there. Youngest what, whiskey in a barrel. 
Okay, so how? So what are we pouring at this dinner coming up? Oh, we're going to do the complete flight. Wow. This is one not to miss. Okay, right. so the when you say complete flight, so like how many? Room. Right, how we're, many yeah, are we're we talking about? We're probably going to go six deep. Okay. So that's a, what we consider a very sincere approach to whiskey drinking. Mm-hmm. Sincere. <laughs> but we're going to start with the founders, the first one we poured here today. Okay. Light and easy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get into the 15 French oak, where, as I said before, whiskey, wood, water, and grain. So I'm right. going to change the wood. Most scotches, most, mm-hmm. are recycled bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Bourbon can only use a barrel one time. Okay. So it's sold to Scotland, sold to Ireland, sold to Mexico. Reposado and Yejo Tequila all comes from that style right there. Okay. This is now we went from American oak to French oak mm-hmm. with 15. And then on the ones in the middle, these are really classic. Okay. This is the real whiskey guy stuff right now. This is what they call cask strength. Mm-hmm. So this is literally like pulling it right out of the barrel. No distilled water put back in. So these will run about oh, 112, 115 proof. Okay. Right around there. And they're flavored by different barrels. Where one's peated, mm-hmm. one's an Oloroso sherry barrel. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do the 18, which I poured here now. Okay. This is what they call the connoisseur's choice. Okay. This is the balance of bourbon and sherry barrels put together. All right. Let wow. me take you back to Bobby Vance, because what kind of menu goes along with this? So, actually, we use a small ranch in Colorado for uh, a lot of specialty items, and that's one of the... Dishes we'll focus on as our entree. Well, I'm looking at, I mean, what kind of, what cut so is this? This is an American Wagyu cut. Um, okay. It's out of Colorado. It's a small farm called Snake River uh, mm-hmm. Farms. They do a wonderful product. Um, and this is their skirt steak. But the, hevel, the heavily marbleization is really going to pair very well with the 21 and the 25 year, mm-hmm. which we'll be serving for the dinner. Because it'll sort of cut the fat? Well, that, you know, like, not fat, but you know what I mean? Like the richness? Well, the... Whiskey. Plus, it increases your digestive powers. Oh, right, because it's like a digestive. <laughs> it does, exactly. Right, no, I see where you're going with that. Um, That'll so, be my excuse for drinking. Right. I'm digestive. So how many people <laughs> exactly. can come to this I dinner? I people all the time when I'm drinking. I'm so we have the dinner at 25 seats. <laughs> okay. Um, there's still room available. Great. And we didn't say the date. Oh, it's Friday. It's Friday night. Okay. Um, it starts at 6.30. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all very excited about it. Uh, we're also actually doing a winemaker dinner over at our 15th Street restaurant. On oh. that Thursday, uh, before the Glenn Levitt dinner. Where's with, uh, all the information on this? It's all on our website. Um, Eric Bauer. It's also on the list, areyuana.com. We're doing a, uh, a full Red Zinfandel dinner. So oh. only Reds all day, all Zins. You know, mm-hmm. Ridge is one of the uh, premier Red Zinfandel makers in the country. Right. So uh, we're pretty excited about both of them. All right, well, great. Well, look, tell everybody where they can find you both. And, uh, Mike, we'd love to have you back and do a real more intensive discussion absolutely. of um Scotch and whiskey all together. You can pretend you're on Capitol Hill. Right, exactly. Thank you. Uh, we're at Bobby Van's Steakhouse at 809 15th and Bobby Van's Grill at 1201 New York Avenue Northwest. And online. Great. And online at bobbyvans.com. Great, great, great. Thank all you right. so much. If you much. haven't been to Bobby Van's, you're missing something. Yeah, that definitely. Well, they also have a fabulous patio at the grill. We do. That wraps around. It's really beautiful. All right. Thank you. Great. Let's get Thank off Glenn Livet and back to, back to Rosé. So I didn't think I was going to like this Rosé. It's different. But it's really, really nice. But it's a hard sell because it doesn't really look like rosé. You're right. right. It's totally tan. It's tan. But it's beautiful. Um, I love the fact that this rosé is really sort of a lower acid style. You uh don't get that sort of crack of acid like you do in a lot of other Mm -hmm. uh, rosés, which is just really nice to have a different option. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so what are we pouring next today? So next we have one of my old friends, one of my own favorites. Uh, It's the Domaine Vitrich, actually from Corsica. 
from the Il Butte in Corsica. We love Corsica. We do love Corsica. It's beautiful, it's but beautiful. you just don't find a lot of Corsican rosés around. But I mean, is there a lot of Corsican wines? I don't there feel are. like there's a lot of Corsican wines around either. There are. There are not you a lot know? of Corsicans around. Okay. <laughs> the import market is not huge for, for Corsican wines, but okay. they're so delicious. This mm-hmm. one has an almost beautiful spicy characteristic. It really is just what one of my favorites. What is it about their land, terroir, that's different? Well, we from... love the, the Sardinian wines. Which I mean, is right is underneath it, Corsica, more, yeah, right? Just, I mean, yeah, just, just to the south. More right. minerals, more, what makes it different? It's just, it's a very rugged landscape, and wine grapes like to fight and suffer. Wine grapes don't want to be happy, they want Sounds to be like miserable. Sounds like marriage. Right, exactly. Sounds exactly. very familiar you know, <laughs> to me. To make wine, to grow wine, you have to be a little bit of a gambler somewhere That's in right. your soul. I'm rolling the dice here. The <laughs> harder it is to grow those grapes and to make the wine, the more beautiful the product's going to be. That's just... How it works. That's so how what it are goes. we looking for in this wine? Tell us about it. So this is beautiful. It's a medium body. It's actually a blend. Some uh, indigenous Corsican grapes as mm-hmm. well as Grenache and Merlot, because uh, Corsica being sort of right between Italy and France. Right. Um, beautiful acid. Again, this sort of spicy, really fantastic characteristic. This is my go-to rosé. Me personally, I'm if, ready I'm, for it. if I'm grabbing a bottle, taking it home, drinking it on my rooftop, this is it. This is it. All right, That's let's it. pour it. You don't get awesome. enough at work? Well, you <laughs> know, I'm a very lucky people? gal. I'm right. a very lucky gal. <laughs> right. All right. Well, All while right. we're doing that, yes. let's turn to Kobo. Uh, Daisuke Udagawa is co-owner at Kobo, which is a restaurant inside Sushiko in Friendship Heights. How do you put a restaurant inside a restaurant? Well, well we actually renovated the, the sushi bar and turned it into a smaller restaurant within. No, oh. Sushiko, let's start from the beginning, because Sushiko is one of the, you know, like grand dame of sushi dining in the D.C. market, and you guys have always been known for superior fish and, and creativity as well. What made you decide to sort of do something else? Well, thank you for saying that, first of mm-hmm. all. Um, what we do at Kobo, we've always done um, for our customers, but more in sort of a private way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I may, if we could just pull back to the sort of historical, I, I don't know if it's historical, but more That's of fine. A just take over the longer, show. Go ahead. It's all you. <laughs> we got 10 minutes. Longer take it over. time span. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the 70s, sushi exploded in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with the fact that Surgeon General said, well, if you eat like Japanese, you'll be healthier. Mm-hmm. And with that and sort of a novelty of raw fish, people tried it. And what's great about this country is, is that everybody's willing to try things once. You don't really have that sort of set mind, you know, of uh, towards food. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it exploded. And then um, in the 80s came the sort of uh, 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 sushi-ish things. Like that, fusion? Yeah. Um, you know, and what that did in hindsight is made the sushi population more broad. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I came here in 1983, and that was when these things are sort of started happening from traditional to more of a mixed. You mean uh, like the Philly roll? Like, would that be a good example? California (laughs) roll. uh, When I first started at Sushiko, uh, the owner, chef, refused to serve California roll. Mm -hmm. He just refused. He says, that's not sushi. I'm not serving it. Well, after a while, he relented and he made, you know, his own version of California, which he Mm -hmm. was happy with and so on and so forth. Um, So from, from nigiri... Then it moved to the roll, and that sort of exploded and then turned it into sort of a mixed pizza of the rolls. Mm-hmm. But I'm 
I'm no insult to the pizza. No, 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 no. There's a blue, <laughs> but, but that happens but, in a lot. I mean, the, the blueberry bagel to me is a is mm-hmm. a, 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 a shanda. It's a sin. Right, it's a crime. That's not what you're <laughs> supposed crime. to. That's a real crime. But people wanted but it, people so wanted they did it. it. And what that what happened and all was those that Jewish bagel makers caved in, and you caved in on the California rule, right? <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the ex owner. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, but what happened was that sort of expanded the general population of sushi eaters, and when you have that certain percentage of people are going to be more interested in what's, I suppose, authentic, more traditional, how it started. Right. Um, and, and that is So it's like a pendulum why, swing, yeah, right? And exactly. And mm-hmm. that is why we decided, you know what, we could do this for more of a general public. We've mm-hmm. always f- served food like this, but it was more in a, you know, hey, I'm coming next week. Could you do something? Okay, so, so we keep saying, or you keep saying, serving mm-hmm. food like this, but mm-hmm. we're not explaining what food like oh, this means. Yes. So let's explain <laughs> what it is. So um, Kobo means atelier, mm-hmm. and we uh, we named that little uh, uh, shop, if you will, um, because it's very hands-on. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to use the word omakase. So Kobo is a Japanese word that means something in French? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, or workshop. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, but it, really, it, it has more of a uh, more of a, a workshop in in, mm-hmm. in a sense that they're craftsmen working at every piece, and that's why we named it Kobo. Okay. And it, it's it's sort of Japanese food in a very sort of uh, a pure philosophical way. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it cuisine of subtraction when you find an ingredient and you find out what's essentially or inherently interesting about this, mm-hmm. and you try to pull that out by Pairing away what's not unnecessary, so you take it away. Um, all great cuisine to me shows complexity and beauty of what nature has to offer. Mm-hmm. The approach of Japanese is slightly different from, say, classic French or Chinese, which in their case they will add it. It's like creating an orchestra. So each, uh, obviously, each piece or ingredient has to be wonderful. But you know, by combining them, you make this sort of beautiful uh, uh, balance ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the orchestra. This could way. be the most elegant and erudite <laughs> explanation of, of food in, in, we've ever had. I didn't understand every other word, but it <laughs> impressed the hell out of me. I mean, it is an art form. Yeah. Oh, yes. And all each one of you is, in yeah. the kitchen, Mikey, all, all you guys, Chef Jun. Exactly. You, I mean, look I mean, at what's in front of us here right. and over there. I mean, I mean it's if beautiful. there's no art component to it, chefs won't be this passionate mm-hmm. about the food. And what's wonderful is you can eat it. Mm-hmm. This is the only art form that use all five senses that we have to appreciate it. The problem is we all have to eat, so oftentimes we're desensitized because we have to eat. Mm-hmm. But if you really pay attention to every dish that chefs create, there's a lot in there. It's an inventory of information. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we as a, as a consumer really should kind of hone ourselves to what's in there All right. you to, should, to listen you, we to. we got to have you on the show every week. It right. takes it to another well, level. Well, so, but at Kobo, what, are, what is it about what you're doing there that's so different than the rest of the menu at Sushiko? It is more, I should say, more hands-on, more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we wait for the customer to sit in front of them because some of them are very timing-oriented. Mm-hmm. They may have a window of 15 seconds that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. So uh, I would I would say it's more focused. Okay. Yeah. And and what what is coming on the plate? Like I, I want some examples of like what people can look at. It's again it's seasonal. It's, and it's at the whim. Um, um, well, I wouldn't say the whim, but really it's to bring out the seasonality mm-hmm. and what is good. Mm-hmm. So, How is there uh, seasonality in seafood? 
They're out there. Of course, there's seasonality. I'm asking a question. It's almost rhetorically. Okay. um, You mean you don't want to look like an idiot saying that question? Depends. Depends. It's radio. They can't (laughs) see what I look like. Depends on where where you catch the fish, what Uh they feed. Um, There's seasonality in that sense. You Uh know, tuna. If you catch it in certain part of the sea, which they're migratory, so Mm -hmm. you know, they sort of you can tell you are what you eat and where you live. Mm -hmm. The same with the fish. All right, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, let's talk about the kind of fish that's appearing on the menu and the kinds of things that people are eating at Kobo, because you have a whole uh, vegan vegetarian menu that's very different than what's going on in this city. So we'd love to talk about that. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We took a serious turn here, but we'll we'll lighten it up. We'll be back in just a sec. Deeply (laughs) intellectual. We are back on Foodie and the Beast, and speaking of the market at River Falls, a great sponsor. We want mm-hmm. to thank our friends at ProFish, mm-hmm. Celebrity Cruises, and Central Farm Markets for supporting the show. If you're mm-hmm. not a sponsor, you should be. Yes. Uh, and get in touch. All That's right. Good. So let's All get right, back so to Dice Cake. Dice Cake, let's talk. You brought this beautiful platter of sushi in, um, or rolls in, and you said this is really indicative to what you're serving at Kobo. Yes. Well, as I said earlier, that, you know, what we serve at Su- uh, Kobo differs from week to week depending mm-hmm. upon what uh, what the season is but uh, this is very sort of uh, indicative because what what I brought here is simple cucumber roll and zuke tuna roll zuke mm-hmm. means it's marinated in uh, soy and other things and uh, what's mm-hmm. different about this or what's real about this I should say is we use red vinegar um, and traditionally, so that's not red wine vinegar, obviously. No, no, no. So what uh, yeah. is red vinegar? It's made from sake lee. It's a byproduct of making sake. Okay. And you huh. ferment that for several years, mm-hmm. and you know you have uh, red vinegar from it. It turns red. It's it, sake lee's white. So that's why the rice here is, it looks slightly, like brown rice, but it's not. Right. It's just okay. yeah, infused. So, so um, traditionally, Edomai sushi has used. Uh, red vinegar, but mm-hmm. these days there's not that many sushi restaurants even in Tokyo that use red vinegar. Well, number one, it's expensive. It mm-hmm. used to be not expensive because mm-hmm. it, you know, it was made from the byproduct, but now it's a lot more expensive. And, now it's and, artisan, yeah. Yeah, right? It is, it, is, it is. But, I mean, if you taste it, you'll see the difference, and I, mm-hmm. I particularly wanted to do this in a very basic role because you would be able to taste the difference between, you know, your what we are used to mm-hmm. and what this is about traditionally. Um, red vinegar is a lot drier. It has a lot more umami, and it has a way of bringing out the the essential goodness mm-hmm. of what's around it, in this case, tuna and cucumber and seaweed. I mean, so. it's delicious. Now, you're, we were talking off air about your tofu. Mm-hmm. What What is it about what's happening with your tofu? Well, we make our tofu in-house. Okay. Um, so uh, it's slightly fresher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more control of the ingredients that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the ingredients? It's essentially soybean milk. Mm-hmm. And what else? Nigari. Nigari is an agent that coagulates it, but right. it's a, so kind of a, a mineral, natural, salty mineral. And, and that's about it, really. And, and then it's either fried or it's... No, no, no. It's uh, it's It's warmed up. And then you add nig- nigari and you chill it and it coagulates by itself. Right, like a like a jello. No, almost. Right, no. like in that way. Right. And so, just lastly, I want you do have all these vegetarian and vegan. Mm-hmm. You have a whole menu. Right. What 
What was it about that that appealed to you? Well, um, so Kobo has two different nights, if you will. You have mm-hmm. the vegan nights, and then you have the non-vegan nights. Okay. Um, vegan nights are more challenging for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traditionally Japanese had vegan cuisine called shoujin ryori, which is, uh, uh, you know, the monk's cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to sort of challenge ourselves to see if we can do a whole, you know, course, 15 courses of just vegan food right. and still stay within the sort of context of, ja- of Japan. Right. Um, um, so it, it, there's a lot more effort that goes I into bet. So what food are some vegan. of the ingredients? Yeah, what are some of the things that you were using and uh, what are the effects? Well, seaweed, obviously vegetables, mm-hmm. um, you know, like like tofu. Um, uh-huh. We will get into a lot of different kind of dashi that's pulled out from kombu, which is kelp. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, um, mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you really have to, you know, understand the ingredients and try to pull what's great to be satisfying. Right, exactly. You know? That was going to be my if, question. If what's in front of us is any indication. It's well, the cucumber roll is actually all vegan, so. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, so, um, okay, so when are the nights that people can enjoy these menus? Um, every night except for Sunday. Okay. Um, and uh, vegan nights are Monday and Monday, Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday and, okay. uh, <laughs> we have the peanut gallery helping us out. Right. <laughs> and the rest of the nights are non-vegan. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, those are the only two nights that you do that. And right. how many seats are there? Uh, 16 a night. 16 a night. Yeah. Okay. Two, two seatings. Two yeah, seatings. Eight and uh, eight. What time? Six, six and eight. eight six yeah. and eight. Okay, yeah. great. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you, please. Uh, uh, where are we? Sushi 5455 <laughs> Wisconsin Avenue. Okay. Uh, we're inside Sushiko, okay. which in itself is hidden behind the, you know, a building. So. Mm-hmm. The Chevy Chase collection, right? That's yes, right. exactly. Yeah. No. We know where it is. Well, I'm not <laughs> asking that as a question. I'm making that as a statement. <laughs> My God, marriage is a lot of work. It just is, you know. All right, listen. This is beautiful. This is food. beautiful. Thank, thank you, you so much, and thank, thank you for and the, sharing. And you know what? The restaurant is beautiful too. That's another thing. This it is. is. Well, the old sushi co was a little in. cramped. It was fun. It was neighborhoody. Yeah. This one is very elegant and more stunning. elbow room. Yeah. But yeah. even when you're serving the Kobo menu, you can still go in and have a la carte sushi. Oh, co, absolutely. Right? Kobo That's is just at the bar. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay great. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. So let's go back to Vinoteca and Kate. Hi, um, Kate. Hello. This was lovely. I can see why you like it so much. Oh, it's. I just. I adore it. Is it hard to find? Well, yes and no. Okay. Because we all know we can find it at Vinoteca. Right. And in that way, it's not hard to find. Um, But I try very hard to source wines that aren't readily available everywhere. Okay, in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which is not to say that you can't find some of my wines um, around in hopefully nice retail shops and... uh, Lovely neighborhood restaurants, mm-hmm. um, but I try very hard to find things that aren't readily available. Do you travel, or do you? I mean, do distributors walk in the door and say, "Hey, you got to oh, try I'm, this"? I'm really, I have the best job ever. They bring the wine to me. Right, it's wonderful. Well, I the do... best job ever would be to travel and try it. But well, yes, there's a little fair. bit of both, though. Yeah, a little bit of both. Right. I do love visiting wine regions, and was lucky to live in Switzerland for a while, and mm-hmm. you know, France and. Uh, New York State, which is awesome and really an up-and-coming wine region. But um, Absolutely. And my, my home state, I have to give a little shout-out to the great state of Michigan. They are doing some awesome things in the northern part of the state. But Okay. Um, we'll believe you. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. Joking. Really great stuff. But uh, I'm very lucky because the, the, wines, the wines come to me, and I just get to pick and choose so what I So as you were curating the rosés, what was it that you were looking for, like to 
Like, because you have some on tap too, right? Yeah, we actually have a draft rosé, which is available on Happy Hour, which is super fun. I've been looking for one for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I look for when I'm picking the list is I want to have, you know, everyone loves. We've been talking about it, a Provencal rosé, right? Or a, you know, a rosé from Bordeaux or mm-hmm. a rosé of Pinot from Sonoma, mm-hmm. and those are all wonderful. And I have all of those, but I'm also looking for the things that you would not necessarily think of or find i want to have a rosé for every palette okay if you want sweet i can do sweet if you want acid i can do acid if you want bubble i can do bubble minerality exactly right so i i really tried to find something for everyone well i think the three that we've tasted so far today have each been very unique Super and complex, you know, because I think some of the Provencal ones can have, like, no complexity whatsoever. Not that they're not delicious, but, like, they're just, they're like drinking water. I mean, they go down really easy. And at a certain point, winemakers of a particular region are making sort of a a typical wine. They're mm-hmm. aiming for a, a style, mm-hmm. um, which is wonderful. And there's, it's, there's plenty of, you know, room to go around. Mm-hmm. But... Doing something different, something funky, something unexpected, that's cool, too. Well, and let's talk about pricing, because um, rosés in general are not super expensive, but there there are now some more pricier ones sure. out there. So how do you guys d- handle that? I, Because of so much of our list is by the glass, mm-hmm. we are almost 80% of our wine list is available by the glass, which is kind of an outrageous number. Um, right. But it's what we're known for, and mm-hmm. I love that fact. Um, I'm generally looking for by-the-glass pours. Okay. But, of course, if something is outstanding and I really am behind it, I'm happy to put it on our bottle list. We mm-hmm. do have a couple rosés that are exclusively on the bottle list. Okay. Um, some champagnes, some magnums, actually, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just I'm very lucky I get to have uh, my owner, Paul Carlson, mm-hmm. gives me um, absolute freedom to kind of go crazy and do what I love. And uh, I hope that everyone really enjoys our program because it's, it's really fun. We're what having about a lot classes? of fun with it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't know anything about rosé and, and you can come in and order a glass and ask questions, but do you guys do We do do wine classes, yeah. I actually teach the wine classes at Vinoteca. We do a series in the spring and a series in the fall. Mm-hmm. And rosé classes end up being kind of our number one most requested because people want to come in and learn. Right. Um, so I usually do two a year. Uh-huh. All right. Listen, we're going to have, unfortunately, the show's over, but tell everybody quickly where you are online and on the street. Uh, Vinotecadc.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are at 1940 11th Street Northwest. So mm-hmm. it's just one sort of one door down from U Street proper. Cool. And uh, they have a beautiful patio. So great place. Uh, not today, maybe. No. You'll have to be inside today. <laughs> Looking funky but, uh, out there. Well, unless, unless you want to, you know, bundle up and, right, and go out there and play some All right. Well, right. we got to wrap, ladies. Okay. Uh, everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on the list com. Nikki's website. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Twitter. Follow okay. her on Facebook. We're no, done. and follow her on WTOP Thursdays at 1240. That's right. And next week, the show is going to be fabulous because it's Mother's Day, and we are doing a whole Mother's Day show with uh, fabulous uh, shops and gift ideas and terrific things to drink. It's going to be a uh, fabulous show. So, everybody, thank you for joining us today. Please have a delicious week. <laughs>